Hello, my name is Isaac, and today I will be reading Percy Jackson and the Battle of the Labyrinth, Chapter 11. I set myself on fire. I thought we lost the spider until Tyson heard a faint pinging sound. We made a few turns, backtracked a few times, and eventually found the spider banging its tiny head on a metal door. The door looked like one of those old-fashioned submarine hatches, oval with metal rivets around the edges and a wheel for a doorknob. Where the portal should have been was a big brass plaque, black, green with age, with green with a Greek etta inscribed in the middle. We all looked at each other. Ready to meet Hephaestus? Garvey said nervously. No, I admitted. Yes, Tyson said gleefully, and he turned the wheel. As soon as the door opened, the spider scuttled inside and Tyson right behind it. The rest of us followed, not quite as anxious. The room was enormous. It looked like a mechanic's garage with several hydraulic lifts. Some had cars on them, had on them, but others had strange, stranger things. A bronze hip electron with its horse head off and a bunch of wires hanging out of its rooster hair. A metal lion that seemed to be hooked up to a battery charger and a great war, Greek war chariot that ma- was made entirely of flames. Smaller projections cluttered uh, cluttered a dozen work tables. Tools hung along the walls. Each one has its own outline on a pegboard, but nothing seemed to be in the right place. The hammer was over the screwdriver place. The staple gun was where the hacksaw was supposed to go. One of the n- nearest hydraulic lift, which is holding a a 98 Toyota Corolla, a pair of legs stuck out, the lower half of a huge man in grubby gray overalls and shoes bigger than Tyson's. One leg was in a metal brace. The spider scuttled straight under the car, and the sounds of banging stopped. Well, well, a deep voice boomed from under the Corolla. What have we here? The mechanic pushed out a a back, on, on back, and sat up. I'd seen Hephaestus once before, briefly, on Olympus, so I thought I was prepared, but his appearance made me gulp. I guess he'd cleaned himself up when I saw him on Olympus, or used magic to make his form seem a little less hideous. Here in his own workshop, apparently he didn't, he didn't care how he looked. He wore overalls smeared with oil and grime. Hephaestus was embroidered over the chest pocket, embroidered over the his legs creaked and clicked in its metal brace as he stood, and his left shoulder was lower than his right, so he seemed to be leaning even when he was standing up straight. His head was misshapen and bulging. He wore a permanent scowl. Uh, his black beard smoked and hissed. Every once in a while, a small wildfire would erupt in his whiskers, then die out. His hands were the sizes of catcher's mitts, but he handled the spider with amazing skill. He disassembled it in two seconds, then put it back together. There, he muttered to himself. Much better. The spider did, the spider did a happy flip in his palm, shot a metallic web at the ceiling, and went swinging away. Hephaestus glowered at us. I didn't make you, did I? Uh, no, sir, Annabeth said. Good. The god grumbled. Shoddy workmanship. He studied Annabeth and me. Half-bloods, he grunt- grunted. Could be automatons, of course, but probably not. 
We've met, sir, I told him. Have we? The guard said absently. I got the feeling he didn't care. Or, or one way or the other. He was just trying to figure out how my jaw worked, whether it was on a hinge or lever or what. Well then, if I didn't smash you to a pulp in the first time we met, I suppose I won't have to do it now. He looked at Grover and frowned. Seder. Then he looked at Tyson, and his eyes twinkled. Well, a cyclops. Good, good. What are you traveling with this lot? Uh, Tyson said, staring in wonder at the god. Yes, well, yes, well said. Ephesus agreed. So there'd better be a good reason you're disturbing me. The suspension on this Corolla is no small matter, you know? Sir, Annabeth hesitated. We're looking for Deadless. We thought, Deadless? The god roared. You want that old scoundrel? You dare seek him out. His beard burst into flames and his black eyes glowered. Oh, yes, sir, please, Annabeth said. <laughs> You're wasting my time. He frowned at something on his work table and limped over to it. He picked up a lump of springs and metal plates and tinkered with them. In a few seconds, he was holding a bronze and silver falcon that spread its metal wings, blinked in a, blinked its obsidian eyes, and flew around the room. Tyson laughed and clapped his hands. The bird landed on Tyson's shoulder and nipped his ear affectionately. Hephaestus regarded him. The god scowled and changed, but I thought I saw a kind of twinkle in his eyes. I sense you have something to tell me, Cyclops. Tyson's smile faded. Y yes, Lord. Met a hundred-handed one. Hephaestus nodded, looking unsurprised. Briars? Yes, he... He was scared. He could not help... Us. And that bothered you? Yes! Tyson's voice wavered. Briars should be strong. He's older and greater than Cyclops is. But he ran away. Hephaestus grunted. There was a time I admired the hundred-handed ones, back in the days of the first war. But people, monsters, and even gods change, young Cyclops. You can't trust them. Look at my loving mother, Hera. You met her, didn't you? She'll smile to her face and talk about how important family is her. Is, eh? Didn't stop me, her from pitching me off Mount Olympus when she saw my ugly face. But I thought the Zeus did that to you, I said. Hephaestus cleared his throat and spat into a bronze spittoon. He snapped his fingers, and a robotic falcon flew back onto the to the work table. Mother likes telling that version of the story. She he grumbled, makes her seem more likable, doesn't it? Blaming it all on my dad. The truth is, my mother likes families, but she likes a certain kind of family, perfect families. She took one look at me and, well, don't well, I don't fit the image, do I? He pulled a feather from the falcon's back. And the whole automaton fell apart. Believe, my young Cyclops, Hephaestus said. You, can, you can't trust others. All you can trust is the work of your own hands. It seemed like a pretty lonely way to live. Plus, I didn't exactly trust the work of Hephaestus. One time in Denver, his mechanical spiders had almost killed Annabeth and me. And last year, it had been a defective Talos statue that cost Bianca her life, another one of Hephaestus's little projects. He focused on me and narrowed his eyes, and as if he were reading my thoughts. Oh, this one doesn't like me, he mused. No worries, I'm used to that. 
What would you ask of me, little demigod? We told you, I said. We need to find Deadless. There's this guy, Luke, and he's working for Kronos. He's trying to find a way to navigate the labyrinth so he can invade our camp. If you don't get to Deadless first... And I told you, boy, looking for Deadless is a waste of time. He won't help you. Why not? Hephaestus shrugged. Some of us get thrown off mountainsides. Some of us... The way we learn not to trust people is even more painful. Ask me for gold, or a flaming sword, or a magical steed. These I can grant you easily, but away to Deadless, that's an expensive favor. You know where he is, then? Annabeth pressed. Is it isn't wise to go looking, girl. My mother says looking in the nature of, is the nature of wisdom. Hephaestus narrowed his eyes. Who's your mother, then? Athena. Figures, he sighed. Fine goddess Athena, a shame she pleads never to marry. All right, half-blood. I can tell you want to know, but there's a price. I need a favor done. Name it, Anbeth said. Hephaestus actually laughed, a booming like a huge bellow stoking a fire. You heroes, he said, always making rash promises. How refreshing. He pressed a button on his workbench and metal shutters opened along the wall. It was either a huge window or a big screen TV. I couldn't tell which. We were looking at a gray mountain ringed in forests. It must have been a volcano because smoke rose from the crest. One of my forges, Hephaestus said. I have many, but that used to be my favorite. That's Mount St. Helens, Helens, Grover said. Great forests around there. You've been there? I asked, looking for a pan, you know. Wait. Annabeth said, looking at Hephaestus. You said it used to be your favorite. What happened? Hephaestus scratched his smoldering beard. Well, that's where the monster Typhon is trapped. Typhon, you know, is trapped. Used to be under Mount Etna, but when we moved to America, his force got pinned under Mount St. Helens and said, Great source of fire, but a bit dangerous. There's always a chance he will escape. Lots of eruption these days, smoldering all the time. He's wrestled with the Titan Rebellion. What do you mean? What do you want us to do? I said, fight him. Vestas snorted. That would be suicide. The gods themselves ran away from Typhon when he was free. No, pray you never have to see him, much less fight him. But lately I've sensed intruders in my mountain. Some or something is using my forges. When I go there, it is empty, but I can tell it is being used. They sense me coming, and they disappear. I send my automatons to investigate, but they do not return. Something ancient is there. Evil. I want to know who dares invade my territory, and if they mean to lose Typhon. You want us to find out who it is? I said. Hey, Hephaestus said. Go there. Hey, Hephaestus said, go there. They might not sense you coming. You are not gods. Glad you noticed, I muttered. Go and find what you, out what you can, Hephaestus said. Report, report back to me, and I will tell you what I need, to, what you need to do to know about Deadless. All right, Annabeth said. How do we get there? Festus clapped his hands. The spider came swinging down from the rafters. Annabeth flinched when it landed at her feet. My creation will show you the way, Festus said. It's not far through the labyrinth. And try to stay alive, will you? Humans are more fragile than automatons. We were doing okay until we hit the tree roots. Spider raced along and we, and we were keeping up. But when we spotted a tunnel off to the side that was dug from raw earth and wrapped in thick roots, Grover stopped dead in his tracks. What is it? What is it? I asked. He didn't move. He, 
stared, he stared open-mouthed into the tunnel. His curly hair rustled in the breeze. Come on, Annabeth said. We have to keep moving. This is the way, Grover muttered and all. This is it. What way, I asked. You mean to pan? Grover looked at Tyson. Don't you smell it? Earth, Tyson said, and plants. Yes, this is the way. I'm sure of it. Up ahead, the spider was getting further down the stone corridor. A few more seconds and we'd lose it. We'll come back, Adamuth promised, on our way back to Festus. The tunnel will be gone by then, Grover said. I have to follow it. A door like this won't stay open. But we can't, Annabeth said. The forges. Grover looked at her sadly. I have to, Annabeth. Don't you understand? She looked desperate, like she didn't understand at all. The spider was almost out of sight. I thought about my conversation with Grover last night, and I knew what we had to do. We'll split up, I said. No, Annabeth said. That's way too dangerous. How will we ever find each other again? And Grover can't go alone. Tessus put his hand on Grover's shoulder. I, I'll go with him. I couldn't believe I was hearing this. Tyson, are you sure? The big guy nodded. Goat boy needs help. We will find the god person. I'm not like Hephaestus. I trust friends. Grover took a deep breath. Percy, we'll find each other again. We still got the empathy link. I, I just have to. I didn't blame him. This was his life goal, and if he didn't find Pan on this journey, the council would never give him another chance. I hope you're right, I said. I know I am. I'd never heard him sound so confident about anything, except maybe that enchiladas were better than chicken enchiladas. Cheese enchiladas were better than chicken enchiladas. Be careful, I told him. Then I looked at Typhon. Tyson. He gulped back a sob and gave me a huge hug that just squeezed my eyes out of my sockets. Then he and Grover disappeared through the tunnel of tree roots and were lost into the darkness. This is bad, Annabeth said. Splitting up is really, really, really a bad idea. Well, we'll see them again, I said, trying to sound confident. No, come on, the spider's getting away. It wasn't before long they started to get, the tunnel started to get hot. The stone walls glowed. The air felt like if, if we were walking through an oven. The tunnel slopped, slopped, sloped, and I could hear a loud roar like a river of metal. The spider skittered along, with Annabeth right behind it. Hey, wait up, I called to her. She glanced back at me. Yeah? Something Hephaestus said back there about Athena. She swore never to marry, Annabeth said, like Artemis and Hestia, who's one of the maiden goddesses. I blinked. I'd never heard of that about Athena before. But then, how come she has demigod children? I nodded. I was probably blushing. But hopefully it was so hot in any way that Annabeth wouldn't notice. Percy, you know how Athena was born? She sprang from the head of Zeus in full battle armor or something? Exactly. She wasn't born in the normal way. She was literally born from thoughts. Her children are born the same way. When Athena falls in love with a mortal man, it's purely intellectual. The way she loved Odysseus in the old stories. It's a meeting of minds. She would tell you that's the purest kind of love. So your dad and Athena... So you weren't... I was a brainchild, Annabeth said. Literally, children of Athena are sprung from divine thoughts of our mother and mortally intitulated of our father. We have su we're supposed to be a gift, a blessing from Athena with on the men she, on the men she favors. But Percy, the spider's getting away. Do you really want me to explain the exact details of how I was born? Um, no, that's okay. She smirked. 
I thought not, as she ran ahead. I followed, but I wasn't sure I would ever look at Annabeth the same way again. I decided she some, th some things were better left as mysteries. The roaring got louder. After another half kilometer or so, we merged in, in a cavern the size of a Super Bowl stadium. A spider escorted, a spider escort stopped and hurled into a ball. We'd arrived at the forge of Hephaestus. There was no floor, just bubbling lava hundreds of meters below. We stood on a rock ridge that circled the cavern. A network of metal bridges spanned across it. The center was a huge platform with all sorts of machines, cauldrons, forges, and the largest anvils I'd ever seen. A block of iron the size of a house. Creatures moved around the platform. Several strange, dark shapes, but they were too far away to make out details. We'll never be able to sneak up on them, I said. Annabeth picked up the metal spider and slipped it in her pocket. I can. Wait here. Hold it, I said, but before I could argue, she put on her Yankees cap and turned invisible. I didn't care, dare call after her, but I didn't like the idea of her approaching the forge on her own. Though things... If those things out there could sense God coming, would Annabeth be safe? I looked back at the labyrinth tunnel. I missed Grover and Tyson already. Finally, I decided I couldn't stay put. I crept along the outer rim of the lava lake, hoping I could get a better angle to see what was happening in the middle. The heat was horrible. Garyon's ranch had been a winter wonderland compared to this. In no time, I was drenched with sweat. My eyes stung from the smoke. I moved away, trying to keep away from the edge until I found my way blocked by a cart on metal wheels like the kind they use in mine shafts. I lifted up the tarp and found it was half full of metal scrap. I was about to squeeze my hand my way around when I heard voices from up ahead, probably a side, from a side tunnel. Bring it on, one asked. Yeah, another said. Movie is just about done. I panicked. I didn't have time to back up. There was nowhere to hide except the cart. I scrambled inside and put the tarp over me, hoping that no one had seen me. I curled my fingers around Riptide just in case I had to fight. The cart lurched forward. Oi, a gruff said. A gruff voice said. Thing weighs tons. It's celestial bronze, the other said. What did you expect? I got pulled along. We turned a corner, and from the sound of wheels echoing around the walls, I guess we had passed down a tunnel into a smaller room. Hopefully, I was not about to be dumped into a smelting pot. If they started to tip me over, I'd have to fight my way out. I heard lots of talking, chatting voices that didn't sound human, somewhere between a, a seal's bark and a dog's growl. There was another sound, too, like an old-fashioned film projector and a tiny voice narrating. Just set it at the back, a new voice ordered from across the room. Now, younglings, please attend to the film. There will be time for questions afterwards. The voices quieted down, and I could hear the film. As a young sea demon matures, the narrator said, changes happen in the monster's body. You may notice your fangs getting longer, or you may have sudden desire to devour human beings. These changes are perfectly normal and happen to all young monsters. Excited snarling filled the room. The teacher, I guess, it must have been a teacher, scold scolded the younglings to be quiet. The, fin the film continued. I didn't understand most of it, and I didn't dare look. The film kept talking about growth spurts and acne problems caused by working in the forges, proper flipper hygiene, and finally, 
it was over. Now, younglings, the instructor said, what is the proper name of our kind? Sea demons, one of them barked. No. Anyone else? Telekines, another monster growled. Very good, the instructor said. And why are we here? Revenge, several shouted. Yes, yes, but why? Zeus is evil, one monster said. He cast us into Tartarus just because we used magic. Indeed, the instructor said. After we made so many of the gods' finest weapons, a trident for Poseidon, for one. And of course, we made the greatest weapon of the Titans. Nevertheless, Zeus cast us away and relied on those fumbling cyclopses. This is why we're taking over the forges of the... Usurper Hephaestus, and soon we will control the undersea furnaces, our ancestral home. I clutched my pen sword. These snarling things had created Poseidon's trident. What were they talking about? I'd never heard of a telkine. And so, younglings, the instructor continued, "What do? who do we serve? Kronos! he shouted. And when will you grow to be big? And when will you grow to be big, Talakines? We'll make weapons for this army? Yes! Now, we've bought in some scraps for you to practice with. Let's see how indignant you are. There was a rush of movement and excited voices coming towards the cart. I got ready to uncap Riptide. The tarp was thrown back. I jumped back, and my sword, bronze sword sprang into, sprang into life in my hands. I found myself facing a bunch of dogs. Well, their faces were dogs anyway, with black snouts, brown eyes, and pointy ears. Their bodies were sleek and black like sea mammals, with stubby legs that were half flipper, half foot, and human-like hands with sharp claws. If you bent together a kid, a Doberman, a Doberman pincher, and a sea lion, you'd get something like what I was looking at. A demigod! One snarled. Eat it! yelled another. That was as far as I got before I slashed... A wide arc with Riptide and vaporized the entire front row of monsters. Back off! I yelled at the rats trying to sound fierce. Behind them stood their instructor, a two-meter-tall telekine with Doberman fangs snarling at me. I did my best to stir them down. New lesson, class, I announced. Most monster- monsters will vaporize when sliced with a celestial bronze sword. This is change is perfectly normal and will happen to you right now if you don't back off. To my surprise, it worked. The monsters backed up, but there were at least 20 of them. My, my fear factor wasn't going to last long. I jumped out of the cart and yelled, Class dismissed! And ran for the exit. The monsters charged after me, barking and growling. I hope they couldn't run very fast with those stubby little legs and flippers, but they waddled along pretty well. Thank the gods there was a door in the tunnel leading out to the main cavern. I slammed it shut and turned the wheel handle to lock it, but I doubt it would keep them for long. Keep them long. I didn't know what to do. Annabeth was out there somewhere invisible. Our chances for a subdual reconnaissance mission had just been blown. I ran towards the platform at the center of the lava lake. Annabeth! I yelled. Shh! An invisible hand clamped over my mouth and wrestled me down with a big bronze cauldron. You want to get us killed? I found her head and took off her Yankees cap. She shimmered into existence in front of me, scowling, her face steep. Streaked with ash and grime. Percy, what is your problem? We're going to have company. I explained quickly about the monster's orientation class. Her eyes widened. So that's what they are, she said. Telekines. I should have known. 
and they're making, well, look, she peeked over the cauldron. In the center of the platform stood four sea demons, but they were fully grown, at least two and a half meters tall. Their black skin glistened in the firelight <clears throat> as they worked, sparks flying as they took hammers, turning on a piece of glowing hot metal. The blade is almost complete, one said. It needs another cooling in blood to fuse the metals. Aye, the second said. It shall be even sharper than before. What is that? I whispered. And Beth shook her head. They keep talking about fusing metals, I wonder. Or they were talking about the greatest titan weapon, I said. And they, they said they might, they made my father's trident. The telekines betrayed the gods, Annabeth said. They were practicing dark magic. I don't know what exactly, but Zeus banished them to Tartarus. With Kronos? She nodded. We have to get out. No sooner had she said that than the door to the classroom exploded and young telekines came pouring out. We stumbled over each other, trying to figure out which way to charge. Put your cap back on, I said. Get out! What? Annabeth shrieked. No, I'm not leaving you. I've got a plan. I'll distract them. You can use your metal, you can use the metal spider. Maybe it'll lead you, lead you back to Hephaestus. You have to tell them what's going on. But you'll be killed! I'll be fine. Besides, you've got, we've got no choice. Annabeth glared at me like I was, like she was going to punch me. When she did something that surprised me even more, she kissed me. Be careful, seaweed brain. She put her hat on and vanished. I probably would have sat there for the rest of the day, staring at the lava and trying to remember what my name was, but the same demons jared at me, jared me back to reality. There, one yelled. The entire class of telekites charged across the bridge towards me. I ran for the middle of the platform, surprising the four elder sea demons so much that they dropped a red hot blade. The red hot blade. It was about two meters long and curved with a crescent moon. I'd seen a lot of terrifying things, but this unfinished, whatever it was, scared me the most. The elder demons got over their surprise quickly. There were four ramps leading off the platform, and before I could dash in any direction, either of them have, had, each of them had covered an exit. The tallest one snarled. What do we have here, son of Poseidon? Yes, under the growl. I can smell the scene as blood. I raised Riptide. My heart was pounding. Strike down one of us, demigod, the third demon said. The rest of us shall tear you to shreds. Your father betrayed us. He took our gift and said nothing as we were cast into the pit. We will see him sliced into pieces. He and all the other Olympians. I wished I had a plan. I wished I hadn't been lying to Annabeth. I wanted her to get out safely, and I hoped she'd be sensible enough to do it. But now it, that it was dawning on me, me that this might be the place I would die. No prophecies for me. I'd get overrun in the heart of Volcano by a pack of dog-faced sea lion people. The young Telkines were the plat at the platform now too, snarling and waiting to see how their four elders would deal with me. I felt something burning at the side of my leg. The ice whistle in my pocket was getting colder. If I ever needed help, now was the time, but I hesitated. I didn't trust Quintus's gift. Before I could make up my mind, the tallest telecon said, Let us all see how strong he is. Let us see how long it takes for him to burn. He scooped some lava from the nearest furnace. It set his fingers ablaze, but it he didn't seem to get bothered by it at all. Then the other telecons did the same. First one threw a glop of molten rock at me and set my trousers on fire. Two more splattered across my chest. I dropped my sword in sheer terror and swatted at my clothes. Fire was engulfing me. Strangely, 
I only felt warm at first, but it was getting hotter by the instant. Your father's nature protects you, one said. Makes you hard to burn, but not impossible, young one. Not impossible. They threw more lava at me, and I remembered screaming. My whole body was on fire. The pain was worse than anything I'd ever felt. I was being consumed. I crumpled on to the metal floor and heard the sea-naming children howling in delight. Then I remember the voice of the river Nayad at the ranch. The water is within me. I needed the sea. I felt a tugging sensation in my gut, but I had nothing around me to help. Not a fashlet or a river. Not even a petrified seashell this time. And besides, the last time I'd unleashed my power at the stables, there had been that scary moment where it almost gone away from, got away from me. I had no choice. I called to the sea. I wreathed inside myself and remembered the waves and the currents, the endless power of the ocean, and I let loose in one horrible scream. Afterwards, I could never describe what happened. An explosion, a tidal wave, a whirlwind of power simultaneously catching me up and blasting me towards into downwards into the lava. Fire and water collided, superheated steam, and I shot up from the heart of the heart of volcano. A huge explosion, just one piece of flotsam thrown between a million pounds of pressure. The last thing I remember before losing consciousness was flying. Flying so high Zeus would never have forgiven me, and then beginning to fall. Smoke and fire and water streaming from me. I was a comet hurling towards the earth. And that was chapter 11. I hope you had a good time listening to me read this chapter and that you come back for more in the future. Also, I can feel my voice is a bit, I don't know, a bit sore. Um, hopefully that's not too bad. This became a pretty long chapter. Um, I don't know where I am. It's uh, really, really warm, starting to become summer. Uh, so I'm Hoping you guys are all going to have an awesome spring and a great summer. See you next time.